Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Hey. What up, bro? How's the foot, man? You jumping around for Jesus yet? Awesome. Praise the Lord. He'll be up here soon, again, now that the foot is healed. Hallelujah. Man, oh man. Hey, church, can we give God glory for his presence during worship today? Can we? Thank you. Lord, thank you. God, we praise your name. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, that was incredible. I have a genuine question for you, church. Were you awestruck during worship today? Like really awestruck. I mean awestruck, like overcome by or completely overwhelmed by the presence of God in this place today. It's a rhetorical question, but honestly, only because in this setting, it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to get everybody's opinions and ideas behind that. But the question remains, and honestly, it's a question that I want you to think about today. I want you to think about it this week. And then when you get together with your small groups this week, I want you to have that conversation. So there you go, Betty Joe. We'll put one on the tee for you. You can go ahead and knock that out of the park with your questions this week. Thank you. Hey, I'm full of gratitude today. Can we just say thank you, Betty Joe, for everything she does for this church? Can we? Can we give her some love? Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, girl. And we appreciate her so much. So... There you go. So start thinking about it today, and you guys are going to have some great small group conversation this week. Awesome. Friends, we're going to take a momentary break today from our typical expository approach, and uh, we've got a message I believe is really, it's destined divinely for this body right here today. At the Belonging Co. Conference down in Nashville just a couple of weeks ago, God revealed himself to, to both myself and to our leadership team in a very, very powerful way. Honestly, it's a way that I could only describe, not just reveal, but like actual revelations of who he is. Back to my question. Were you awestruck during service today? In first service, I had a whole bunch of people that said yes, and that was, honestly, it was unexpected. I expected what I just got right now. And uh, I think that by the end of it, while that they were probably overcome by the presence of God, there was a new revelation for them too. And I'm excited about what this message is gonna do for you in this place. So friends, I'm gonna start here. If you were, if you genuinely were overcome by the presence of God during worship, that's amazing. And friends, if you weren't, or if you're not sure, trust me, you would know if the presence of God, if God were standing literally right next to you and you could see him, you would have a moment where immediately you would be overcome knowing that he was there. I can honestly tell you that I'm not always overcome by the presence of God in worship, not the way that I should be, not the way that if, if I were in your position and I opened my eyes and God was standing right here, the glory that shines, that Shekinah glory, okay, if that was shining around me, if I was in that presence and I knew it and I could see it, I don't know that I could speak. I don't even know that I would still be breathing, to be honest with you. I would be so taken aback. But friends, um, I want you to know that even though I don't enter into the presence of God necessarily or revere him in the way that he deserves to be or I'm not in awe of him, that doesn't change the fact that he's still here in this place, okay? That's important for us to know today. As a lead worshiper, I wanna tell you this. One of the hardest things for me to do is to be a part of a worship service but not be on the stage or serving in the sound booth or serving in some other capacity, and I'm going to tell you that that's not pride. 
That's not something that I struggle with. What I genuinely believe it is, is my spirit has become so accustomed to taking a body of believers into the presence of God that when that worship starts, my spirit, like a muscle that I've exercised, it wants to be a part of that action, okay? So when the children of God begin worshiping, my spirit wants to lead that charge, okay? So as a lead worshiper, it's very, very difficult for me to be out where you are. Okay, and then now it even gets more difficult if something doesn't go exactly the way that I think is best. That's a struggle. It really is a struggle for me. So um, you'd probably think that it would be easy for me, and I understand that. I've got that title, that uh, lead worshiper title here, worship pastor, whatever you want to call me. Um, I understand that you would probably think it would be easier, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you just a little hint about me today. When I was a kid, I got this diagnosis of a superpower little superpower called ADHD. <laughs> Truth, what? Why would you be surprised at that? I don't... <laughs> Truth of the matter is, I think I would just rather have been outside than sitting in the classroom listening to whatever was going on, and that's just the truth. I was often watching out the windows and watching birds and whatever else as opposed to paying attention the way that they told me I should have been. Anyway, um, I, I've told people that, it, you know, you ever get those questions, like questions for human style, where if you were to be born in any era, what era would it be? I would have loved to have been born like 150 years ago, 200 years ago, somewhere in there, kind of done like the whole like settler kind of thing. I think I was, I, I think my DNA is full of getting up in the morning, working hard, um, doing the farm thing, probably dead at 28 from like typhoid cholera or whatever that those, that disease, I don't even know, right? So, but I think that that was me. I think that's how the DNA in me was constructed. So, um, sometimes, well, now that I've let you in on my superpower, people will ask me, how do I have so much energy up here on stage? How do I bounce around like I do? How come on the last day of the women's conference, I'm still jumping like I do on the first day? And I'll tell you that it's the joy of the Lord, and I promise you that that's an accurate statement, but the truth of the matter is, I'd just rather not stand still. So, just saying. Honestly, um, I even half-jokingly sometimes, I, just a couple weeks ago, I said this to one of the members of my worship team. I think that that's probably an ideal superpower for every worship leader to have. It's probably the only way that we can play an instrument, sing a song, think about the words that are going on back there, listening to what the band is doing, and still think about what we need to do two or three steps ahead to stay in tune with the Spirit, all while still paying attention to that first row over here where I've got pastoral staff, who every now and then come up and grab the only way that we can get that accomplished. Anyway. You know what's funny? My daughter, my daughter has recently told me, she says I do a bunny hop up here on stage when I'm worshiping. And I tried to think, I, I, I can't remember a time that I've ever bunny hopped. In my head, I've got like, like bunny hop. I don't, I don't understand. But I think what she's trying to tell me is that, you know, have you ever seen me do that like backwards moonwalk thing somehow when I've got the guitar? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. Um, what's funny is I know that I do it, but on a, on a Tuesday night during one of our rehearsals, I actually tried to replicate that move. I have no way to do it, okay? Now, I'll, I'll tell you as well, I am, honestly, I'm not the most coordinated dancer to begin with. But my only... Uh, understanding or the way that I can put this into words is that when the Holy Spirit comes on me, my legs flail about as if independent from my body, okay? It's kind of, I guess, like a river dance or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what the best thing is, is that God knew all of this about me well before I ever stepped into a worship ministry, but I am so grateful that he called me to be a part of the worship that he's asking for. So anyway, back to this. When I attend worship, if the sound isn't pristine, or if excellence isn't executed, or if something isn't done exactly the way that I think is best, 
all too often, my head starts to get in the way. I start thinking about what I would do, perhaps what I could be doing if I'm not part of the leadership here. Um, if, especially if I'm in a place, if I'm here at Mill City, then I have a responsibility to, to not just pay attention to what's going on and enter into worship, but also if that there's something that needs to be redirected or steered in another direction so that we can bring more excellence, that's my responsibility, certainly. Um, but often, when things maybe don't go perfect, that's when my head gets in the way, as I said. Now, if I'm in another place of worship and I am trying to worship and I've, I've honestly, I've got nothing that I can do except worship our God, I have no right to say anything to anyone there, right? Um, if things aren't perfect there or heaven forbid, a microphone squeals or something like that, man, my head is gone, immediately gone. And uh, again, it's, it's just my head getting in my way. It's not allowing me to worship the way that I should. So church, I, I say that to say I need to be incredibly intentional about entering into worship with our God. I have to have my focus so set on him that even when things go a little bit awry, that I'm able to immediately push past that and stay engaged with our God. Now, I'm gonna tell you this. When my eyes were open to this message that I'm about to share with you, everything about worship started shifting in me, and that's, that's been awesome. I think my team has seen it. Honestly, if you've been with us these past handful of Wednesday nights, I think you've probably seen it as well. And uh, I'm just going to put a plug in here. If you haven't been with us on Wednesday nights or been with us regularly on Wednesday nights, I'm going to ask you to be very intentional about making Wednesday nights a priority in this place. Our God has been moving in an incredible way. And it's been so honoring to be able to follow him and follow the lead of the spirit where he goes. Sometimes we pivot on a dime. Steve will get a message 10 minutes after service starts and he'll email the booth and we will readjust everything that we had planned for that night. It's been so cool to flow with the Spirit. So I'll encourage you to be here for that. All right, now before we get this ball rolling too far, I want to get us all on a level playing field, okay? All in the same space. So with that in mind, could we all agree that if the physical embodiment of our God walked into this place, we would be in awe of him? Can we agree? Okay, lots of heads nodding. That's awesome. Maybe he came into this place and he lit the baptismal on fire. Would that be pretty amazing? Yes, and I can tell you I would probably be belly flopping from here to be dunked again today. That would be absolutely incredible. Now, what if a sound started reverberating in this place? A sound not coming from the speakers, a sound that seemingly had no source, a sound that could only be described as something from heaven. If a sound like that, something that had never before been heard on earth, if that sound happened in this place, would you be in awe of what was going on? Yeah, I would be. I think we can all say that we would be speechless, right? Awestruck. It's great. Now, do you realize that every single time that we come together to worship, our God does come into this place? He hasn't lit the baptismal on fire yet. And to my knowledge, I haven't heard a sound in this place, a sound that could only come from heaven. But that doesn't change the fact that he's right here in the midst of us. Where two or more are gathered, he's right there in the midst of them. That's a promise from his word. So I'll ask again before we dive in, were you awestruck when our God came into this place this morning during worship? Friends, let's start here in prayer. God, I ask right now, Lord, that you would reveal mystery about who you are today. Holy Spirit, would you come and sit in these empty seats? And would you lean over at the appropriate times, take the words that I'm saying and adjust them, emphasize them, accent them, whatever that you do, so that the listener can hear exactly the message that our God has for them today.
God, I pray that we would walk out of here with a new understanding of what worship truly is. I pray that our hearts would be turned, that we would be excited about what you're doing in this place. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would be sensitive to our God when he comes into this room. And I do pray that we would be in awe of the presence of God all the time. So God, come and do what you do best. Holy Spirit, you can say so much more than I ever could. So have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, when we enter into worship, we are joining into worship that is already taking place. You understand that? Even before the band starts playing, you are entering into worship that is already happening for our God. So this makes sense. If you think about it logically, there are different time zones, right? All over the world, there's different churches, churches that have sunrise services perhaps at some times. Um, so it makes sense that there's probably a church service happening somewhere in the world that's giving glory to God, right? Okay, but let's look past that. Even if that there isn't a church service that's happening, maybe you know someone or maybe you're that person yourself who just breaks into spontaneous song every once in a while. And it's not a joke. It's really giving glory to God. Dads, maybe it's you in the shower and you're singing two floors above your kids just to annoy them in one sense, but also because you really have a song in your heart that you just want to belt, right? I've been there. I've done that, okay? All right. So I'll, I'll tell you this. My grandfather was one of these people that would just bust into spontaneous song. My grandfather, he was a jovial man. He always had a smile on his face. He was happy in everything. Honestly, I can't remember a single time when I saw my grandfather hurt or angry. Even in, in the passing of his friends and family members, he was often smiling, even almost to the point of laughing and rejoicing in the celebration of their life because he knew his friends and family had gone on to a better place. He was always, always a happy man. He loved gardening too. And he would often just bust into the song, the hymn, in the garden. Another one that he would break into is just a closer walk with thee. You guys know that one? Yeah. I have a snapshot memory that I believe that the Holy Spirit honestly has preserved for me just for this message today. And the, mess and the, the, um, the memory is this. My grandparents would often take us to the Old Country Buffet in Appleton. Does anybody remember Old Country Buffet? Yes, my arteries also remember Old Country Buffet. So I remember one time, very specifically, I was single digits in age, I'm guessing eight or nine, probably, and uh, just inside the doors of the Old Country Buffet, they had two benches for people to sit and wait for tables to become available. So when my grandparents would take, would take their kids and their grandkids there, there was 14 of us total, and oftentimes, a table for 14, it would take a little bit of time for that to become available. Now that snapshot memory that I have is my grandfather sitting on the bench with a big smile on his face, and he just sang, just a closer walk with thee, all to Jesus is my thee. And just that, that little memory, I can see his face right now. And it wasn't a memory, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't a joke. He wasn't trying to laugh. There was just a genuine moment where that he was filled with the spirit, his heart leapt, and he just began to sing. Now I say that to tell you this, church, somewhere around the world at all times, someone is worshiping, okay? Now, I'll also say this. If that there was no one worshiping here on earth, the rocks would cry out. That's a promise from Luke chapter 19. There's always a chorus of praise rising like incense to our Father, even if it were to have to come from creation. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Church, when you enter into worship, we are joining into worship that is beyond what our eyes and ears can see or hear. 
We are joining with worship that is taking place in the heaven from the creatures in heaven. We know this from Revelations chapter four. Verses seven and eight say this. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The creatures in heaven are worshiping. Now check this out. We are also joining with the elders around the throne when we worship. Revelations chapter four, verses nine through 11 say this. Whenever the creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Church, I wanna read part of that again. Verse nine, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him. Whenever the creatures sing, and according to verse eight, they never stop singing, the elders worship. So logically then, we put that together, according to verse eight, since the creatures never stop worshiping, then neither do the elders. Day and night, night and day, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And while that is happening, the 24 elders are worshiping by saying, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. They never stop. The worship is always taking place. The creatures with the elders lather, rinse, repeat. Church, what would that sound like? Does anybody remember singing rounds back in, back in grade school? Yeah. Around. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And while that is happening, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Stacked one on top of another on top of another. And that's going on for all eternity. It's always been happening, and it's always going to be happening. That's amazing. And I gotta be honest with you. I can't wait to hear what that melody of heaven sounds like. Man, but that's only a part of the worship that we join into. The saints who have gone before us are also singing. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us the, the great hall of faith, Hebrews 11, it's got names like Abel, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Rahab, and more, who are then described in chapter 12, verse 1, as the great cloud of witnesses. Church, they are also worshiping. Hebrews 12 gives us a great list of words to live by. It includes conduct and discipline, and then it concludes in verse 28 by saying, so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Revelations 14 actually expounds on this. The redeemed follow the lamb wherever he goes, and they sing a new song before the throne and before the creatures and the elders. Now, I, I never realized this part right here until I started diving into this. If you look at Hebrews verse, or chapter 11, verses 39 and 40, those hall of faithers, those saints, it says this, these were commended for their faith, yet none of them had received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. They are waiting for us and worshiping until the return of the Lord. Church, when we worship, we are caught up in the worship of the saints. Now, this makes sense, right? Obviously, up in heaven, 
there would be lots of worship. I'm sure when we get there, there's going to be worship from us all the time. I'm sure it's going to be around the the clock, even when we're eating and whatever else that we can imagine that we're doing up in heaven, petting our dogs, if you believe all dogs do go there, right? Even petting our dogs, there's going to be opportunities where that we're just going to be entering into the worship that that is taking place. So, but Eric, if that's heaven, well, what about here? Okay, I understand. Creation is worshiping. Let's look at that. Church, when we worship, we are joining with creation that is already and will continue to worship. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 12 says this, the mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And then Psalm 148, it says this, praise him angels and heavenly hosts. Praise him sun and moon and stars. Praise him mountains and hills and trees and cattle and on and on and on. Then Romans 8 gives us just a glimpse about creation, almost like a little personality here. This is amazing. Verse 19, it says, For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, and it groans as in the pains of childbirth for what we are doing to it. Creation, this world, which is in pain because of sin, is eagerly awaiting for us to be caught up with the saints. Why? So that it will be made pure in its worship again. Creation, who is still worshiping, but in a world that is full of sin, feels dirty. And then in those last days, in that last moment, when the trumpet sounds, when the dominoes fall for the new heaven and the new earth, when sin is no longer a part of this, of this earth, creation will be worshiping in the purity that it knew before the fall of man. That's awesome. But church, even beyond this, when we worship, we are entering into the worship of God, worshiping God. Let that sink in for just a moment. When we worship, we are entering into the worship of God, worshiping God. What does that mean? Why would I say that? Well, God is triune, right? We can understand that. God is the Holy Trinity, three in one, yet in one, yet though they're still three separate, because they're three separate, they're still capable of worshiping each other, right? Okay, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let's break it down just a little bit further than that. What was God doing before the creation of the world? It all started with a big bang, bang. No, but really, what was God doing before the creation of the world? He was enjoying being God. He was enjoying the worship that was taking place within the Godhead. God the Father was delighting in his Son, and the Son was delighting in his Father, and the Spirit was delighting in the Father's delight of the Son and the Son's delight of the Father. Okay? Can you imagine the glory that would be taking place in that, in that place? Can you imagine the glory there? God the Father worshiping God the Son, worshiping God the Spirit, worshiping God the Father. It'd be incredible. Did you ever think about it before? I hadn't, not until diving into this. Church, what would that sound like? Do you know that John 17 actually gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what that that might have looked like? Verse one, it says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And then verse five, it says, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. All right, how are we doing? Still together on this? Great, thank you. Church, let's jump. Let's look at Hebrews here. I had never considered the depths of worship contained in Hebrews before. 
It starts out in chapter one where the father is speaking to the son and then in chapter two, the son is speaking back to the father. It's important to know that the son would have been in human form during this dialogue and the spirit is actually inspiring the interaction between the father and the son here. In chapter one, verse five, it says, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Now know this, the angels were understood at this time to be the mediator between God and humanity. Humans would have elevated them as celestial beings. Now the father is inserting his son in human form above the angels, okay? Of course, the angels already knew where that the son's place was, but now the writer of Hebrews is letting us know it too. This is worship. This isn't just a declarative statement. This is exaltation above the angels. This is my son. This is my son. This is my son. Church, have any of you ever had a parent say that or something like it? That's my boy. I'm proud of you, kid. Good job. You go, girl. Come on, dad's in the room. I hope that you've said that to your kids. If you haven't, I'm going to challenge you. Come on, there's got to be a way. I've done that for my kids. Certainly, those who have athletes, I'm sure that you've probably done it. But maybe your kid is a mathlete, haha, or one of those that maybe does, I don't know, forensics or some of those other things that I was never good at. But come on, at some point, I'm sure that you've probably encouraged your kids. But this is exactly what God is doing for his son right here. This is my son. This is my son. I mean, if we logically think about it, we were made in the image of God, right? Yes. So if we get excited about the things that our kids do, would it not make sense that our God gets excited about what his son does? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? I'm very guilty of this. I think all too often, we kind of put God into the Barry White style God, like, this is my son, right? Absolutely, that, that like, like ultimate reverence all the time. No, I think God gets super excited. This is my son, this my boy. Where else have we heard that before, church? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Where did we hear that? When Jesus was baptized, I just heard it. When Jesus was baptized, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine the father declaring from heaven about his son, that's my son, I'm proud of him. Come on, I believe that that's exactly what our God did. And I believe that's still what our God is doing, to be honest with you. Hebrews 1 verse 6, following the insertion into the hierarchy, God calls the angels to worship the son. This is really, really unique, honestly. Let all the angels worship him. God the Father redirects the angels' worship to the Son. And then in verse 7, the Father establishes the angels' place. He, God, makes his, the Son's, angel servants, spirits, excuse me, and his sons, the, and, and his, the Son's, servants, flames of fire. Then in verse 8, but about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. This is the father speaking about his son. Your throne, O God, your throne, O God, will last forever. This is my son. He is God. The father is exalting here. He's worshiping his son, declaring his son. More worship, more reverence. Then in verse 10, it says this. In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. The word Lord here is Yahweh. The writer sees the father addressing the son by saying, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations 
of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. Just a quick side note here. This is, this is really amazing because it's because of this revelation right here that the writer of Hebrews can later say in chapter 13, verse eight, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 14, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Why would God have told his son to sit? I never thought about that until about a month ago. Honestly, the answer, because his work was done. Well done, my boy. Come sit up here by me. Sit at my right hand. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. My son, my son, well done. Now check it out. I'm going to make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Well done, boy. Then the son turns around in chapter two and speaks back to the father. We see that the son has become one of us. But even more importantly, in chapter two, the son became us, okay? He is the new Adam. He is who we were supposed to be, pure, perfect, blameless, and without sin, okay? He, the son, has become one of us, but he also became us. We understand that he bore the weight for our transgressions, right? He became man, and he bore our sins, but he didn't just come to earth to be a man. No, he came to earth to be man. I'll explain that just a little bit. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't, take, he didn't take all of our sins and roll them up in a knapsack and throw them over his shoulder, carry them to the cross, climb up on the cross, and throw our sins down. No. That makes sense, and logically, until about a month ago, that's kind of how I looked at it. But this, he actually became us. The only way for him, for Jesus, to pay the price for the sins that, that we commit even still today was for him to become us. That was the only way for him to feel the weightiness, the oppression, the weight of sin, the shame, would have been to become us. Not just one of us, but to become us. Then he went and he paid the price on the cross. He stood in the gap on our behalf feeling and knowing every bit of the weight of sin. He could not have done that, church, if he was just a man. No, he had to become us. We still tracking? Would the youth say this is a W message? Does this message slap? I'm just kidding. The youth probably want to slap me for that one, honestly. All right. All right, keep it going here. Verse 12, the son speaks to the father. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. Church, who are the brothers and sisters? You and me, we are. We can't do what the son is doing here. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. We don't have a comprehension of the name of God the way that the son does. What am I saying here? You and I can declare the name of God when we worship. Certainly we can, but we can't do it the same way that Jesus the Son does because we know God in a finite way. Jesus knows God in a way that we have not known him yet, okay? I'll explain this just a little bit more. Jesus has been places with God that we've never gone, all right? Yes, I understand, you know, God's been here on earth. We've got the, the burning bush and a number of different things, right, where, where God would have been here. But honestly, if you hadn't walked in the garden with Adam, you would not have walked with God, okay? So we, humanity, do not have the full comprehension of God the same way that Jesus does, 
All right. I want to share this with you. We as leaders in the church, we've challenged ourselves on how to lead you. We want you to press in. We want you to go deeper with the Lord. We want you to fast. We want you to pray. We want you to sacrifice. We want you to prioritize. We want so much more for you. But there's a conclusion that we've come to about that. We can't, or maybe a better word is we shouldn't. We shouldn't tell you where to go with God if we as church leaders haven't been willing to go there yet ourselves. If we are to lead you into that place, we need to have gone there first ourselves. Then we can take you into the place where that we've been because we know what it's like to be there. Does that make sense? Okay, it's the same way with Jesus and God here. We can worship God in a certain way, but Jesus can worship him in a different way because he's been there with God, okay? All right. Church, the same way the son's worship of the father, we can't do it because we haven't been there. We don't understand God the same way that the son does. We can't glorify the father the same way that the son can because we haven't seen everything that there is to see about the father. But Jesus can bring us there. And we'll look at that in just a moment. When we worship church, we are joining with the creatures in heaven. We are joining with the elders. We are joining with the saints and with all creation. Church, we are joining with the worship of God, worshiping God. When we worship, we are joining in the Father's delight in the Son, and the Son's delight in the Father, and the Spirit's delight in the interaction between the Father and the Son. All right? All of this is taking place in a way that we can't fully grasp because we haven't been there. Explain it this way. I can tell you how amazing being in a tree in November is because I do that every year. But I can't tell you how amazing being in a tree in Africa is because I've never been to Africa. PG 13, I can tell you how amazing the covenant of marriage is and all the benefits that it brings. Boom, chicka, wah, wah. But our youth can't tell us all the benefits of marriage. Maybe they wouldn't want to. You know, boys rule, girls drool, right? Our youth can't tell us about marriage because they have never been there. All right? I'm going to explain this to you. Do you remember last year about this time, there was a certain word that Steve had not only spoken over this body, but he had also asked for a body to enter into. One word. Does anybody remember what that word was? That was close, close. The word was linger. Linger. There we go. If you remember, Michael even preached a message on it, and the the concept was about God and Moses and the lingering outside the camp, okay? Okay. Steve had gone down to the Belonging Co. Conference with some of the other leadership of the church last year um, in September. And when he came back, he put it on me and he asked, Eric, can we, as a church, can we linger in our worship? So I started thinking, okay, what does the word linger mean? It kind of means to sit, kind of means to rest, to stay, right? I'm kind of putting my head into that place. And then I asked that of my team. I said, team, we're going to try to linger. What does that look like? I didn't even have a full understanding of it, but it meant like we would try to sit in songs maybe a little bit longer, wait on the Holy Spirit for direction, certainly. And I want to tell you, we have had some amazing worship sets in the past year, and we did try everything that we could to linger with the Lord the way that Steve was asking of us. But I can tell you right now that I was not able to linger to the full extent that Steve was asking of us because I hadn't gone to Nashville and experienced what Steve had experienced and lingered with the Lord the way that Steve had, okay? So that's, I think I've painted a full picture here of what that this looks like about Jesus can do things with the Father that we can't. Now the Son also becomes the worship leader. Excuse me here, I'm sorry. Back it up just a little bit. We know Jesus because he was here. 
we have historical and factual documentation about him. We can worship Jesus the Son having known him and seen through the works that he did. We've got the Bible, we've got scrolls. Honestly, I would be willing to bet with all of the things that Jesus did, and the gospel actually tells us that there were more miracles done than could have been contained in the books. So knowing that information, most likely, when Jesus was here, there were stories and testimonies about him all over, right? There would have been different families and people groups and nations who would have experienced things about Jesus that we, that we didn't see. But we as humanity had an understanding of Jesus at that time. I would venture a guess that there were probably stories told about Jesus for generations, even centuries, that would make sense about Jesus for the, from those who had actually walked and seen and been a part of what Jesus had done. Okay, so knowing that we as humanity have spent time with Jesus, all right? So with that in mind, we can worship Jesus the Son having known and seen through the writings the works that he did. When Jesus declares the Father's name, he becomes the preacher in the room. Hebrews 2 verse 12, it says, he is, well, he is telling the audience, us, the brothers and sisters, about the Father. He is witnessing to us because he has been there. The Son being the witness to the Father. Now, the Son also becomes the worship leader in that moment, okay? Verse 12, part B, it says, in the assembly, I will sing your praises. So what does this look like? The Son declares the name of the Father to us, and he sings the praises of the Father in the assembly. We can worship Jesus the Son because our comprehension of Jesus is, is different than our comprehension of the Father, but Jesus can worship the Father because his comprehension of the Father is tangible, Okay? What songs would Jesus, the worship leader, sing? It's kind of a cool thought. How about, Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Or, Our God is an awesome God, he reigns. Or maybe, I will sing of the goodness of God. Or how about that one song that he could probably sing with more understanding than we ever could? You're a good, good father. It's who you are. Now, I don't care if Jesus is singing it. We're not bringing it back, all right? Just leaving that there. Friends, Jesus would have sung the Psalms. Like Psalm 145, for example. That Psalm is pure worship. There's even evidence that Jesus would have sung, sung the Psalms. Matthew 26, verse 30, it says, When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, the hymns at this time were not Blessed Assurance and the Old Rugged Cross. No, the hymns would have been the Psalms. In fact, did you know this? When Jesus was on the cross, some of the final words that he said were actually the Psalms. Matthew 27, verse 46, references Psalm 22, verse 1, and it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Luke 23, verse 46, references Psalm 31, verse 5. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The very actions and words that Jesus said, even in his very final moments on the cross, were worship. Remember Hebrews 12, verse 28 that we read earlier? So worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Everything that Jesus did, even to his final breath, he was worshiping. All of our words and actions, if we want to truly emulate Jesus, all of our words and actions should be worship as well. Now the son becomes the preacher, the son becomes the worship leader. But did you know the son also becomes the preacher? Check this out. I'm sorry, the son also becomes the believer. Check this out. Hebrews 2 verse 13, it says, I will put my trust in him. I will believe in him. 
I will put my trust in him. The great preacher and the great worshiper is putting his trust in the Father. He offers trust to the Father that we can't offer, again, because he knows the Father in a way that we don't yet know him. We don't know all that there is to know about the Father, so we cannot trust the Father the same way that Jesus can. We should certainly strive to trust the Father that way, but we don't have an understanding of what that that looks like. We haven't known the Father at that level, so we have no way of trusting him the way that Jesus can. So the Son has to trust the Father in our behalf. Then the Son says this to the Father. This is awesome. He says, here I am. The son who the father is well pleased with, here I am. The son who is the delight of the father, the son who has the right to sit at the father's right hand, here I am. Why would Jesus say, here I am? Parents in the room, most likely you are aware of the location of your child in the room at all times. It doesn't matter what age or maturity level that they are. Unless you're playing hide and seek, you probably know exactly where your kids are at all times. During first service, I can promise you, my parents knew exactly where I was at all times, all right? Um, why would the son call out to the father to let the father know where he is? Surely the father wasn't, wasn't looking for Jesus. He hadn't lost Jesus. The son wasn't, excuse me, the father wasn't scanning the assembly trying to find his son. no. The words, here I am, are actually the answer to a question that God asked back in the garden. Here I am. Here I am. Where, what question would that have been? It would have been, Adam, where are you? Adam was hiding because he had sinned. But now the son is able to interject, here I am. The son has completed his mission on our behalf and can now declare, here I am. The son who is pure, the son who is without blemish can declare, here I am. The son, the new Adam, can declare, here I am. But it's more than that, church. When we join into the worship that is already taking place, the worship that is happening with the creatures in heaven, the worship that is happening with the elders, the worship that is happening with the saints and with creation, the worship that is happening within the Godhead between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The worship that is happening with Jesus as the preacher and Jesus as the worship leader and Jesus as the believer, bringing the brothers and sisters before the Father. It's not just here I am. Church, verse 13 concludes by saying this, God, here I am in all the children that you've given me. So I'm gonna ask again. Church, now having an idea of everything that goes on when you enter into the worship of God, were you really awestruck during worship this morning? Church, will you be next time if you weren't? Or how about this? Were your eyes open today, even maybe just a little bit, to a glimpse of what our God is doing and what's happening all around you, even when your eyes and your ears can't see it, can't hear it? Church, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to this message this week. I'll tell you this. I've been going over these notes, um, videos on this. I've listened to other messages on this over the past four weeks now. And I know for a fact that I still do not have a full understanding of everything that's contained here. Okay? But I do know this, church. I do know this. Now that my eyes have been opened, now that I've heard the words, and I have even a little bit more of an understanding of what's really taking place when we worship. I do know this. I'm coming back to the heart of worship.
And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Would you stand, please? I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. Oh, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Friends, I want to declare over to you today. I want to declare that you will never be the same in worship again. Now I can declare that, but truth be told, this is going to be on you. You have a choice to make right here and right now. You can choose to look at worship the exact same way that you always have. If you're one who never sings in worship, that's between you and the Lord. I'm not judging, I promise. It's my responsibility as a worship leader to lead this team to bring you to a place where that you feel comfortable entering into worship. I want to cultivate a culture here where that every single person feels comfortable worshiping our God. But then the next step is yours. I can create that atmosphere for you. But if you don't open your mouth to sing, if you choose to continue to stay quiet and you choose, even knowing all of the worship that's already taking place, you're not the only one that's worshiping. There's worship that's happening all around the world. It's happening in heaven. It's happening in creation. We just looked at all of that. It's your choice to enter into worship, to declare the name of our God because he is great. He is worthy to be praised. He absolutely is. So church, I'm gonna challenge you with that this morning. I'm going to declare over you that we're never going to approach the worthiness of our God in the same way again. Church, we're going to open these altars here in just a moment. Our God is going to be praised whether you do it or not. That's the truth. We just looked at that. So now, church, if you're like me and you've been to worship services and it's been difficult to enter in because things weren't perfect, they weren't the way that you wanted them, they weren't what you were looking for, and so you just couldn't sing. If you've done that, and I have, I promise you that, if you have done that yourself, I want to tell you that you have a pride problem right now. I'm not condemning you, I promise, but I'm calling that out as pride. Our God is great. He is worthy to be praised. Even if things aren't perfect, that shouldn't change the fact that you should be glorifying our God with the glory and the honor and the praise that he is due, all right? It's a challenge that I have for myself. I'm trying to grasp hold of that. So friends, I'm going to open it right now. If you have struggled with pride, if you have not been able to enter into worship, the worship that's happening all around, because things just weren't perfect, I'm going to challenge you to take a really bold step this morning and come down here to the altar and say, God, I'm laying it down. It's yours. I am not going to sit in this any longer. And the next group, 
Perhaps you get distracted in worship. This has been me too. I want to worship. I want to lay down. I want to, I want to give God all the glory that I can. But for some reason, something's going on. Something perhaps is in the heavenlies. Maybe it's here in this room. Maybe the sound isn't perfect and, and I'm trying to sing, but the key changed or something like that. And now I'm distracted. I'm trying to stay with it, but it's just not working for me. If you struggle with the distractions during worship, I want you to come and lay those down at the altar today. Because once again, our God is great. He is worthy to be praised regardless of the sound, regardless of anything that's going on around you. He is going to be praised. So friends, if you've struggled with distraction, I want you to come and lay that down at his feet this morning. Go ahead. Come on down. Now friends, I'm going to call this one out too. If you can't enter into worship, and this one hurts me a lot, because I've been told this myself. I didn't believe it, but it still stung. Church, if anybody has ever turned around and said, you sing off key, you shouldn't sing that way. Or if somebody said, your worship isn't good enough, I want you to lay that hurt down this morning because that hurt is a lie straight out of hell and you don't deserve to have that spoken over you. But I'm going to even go one step further. Our God, when you were worshiping, even if it was off key, even if it was louder than the people around you, even if it was everything that you had, but God just didn't gift you with the understanding of the chords and the notes and everything else. When you came before our God, worshiping with all that you had, and somebody said, no, that's not good enough. Our God said, oh, yes, it is. And I love my child right here and right now. And I am so grateful and I am so honored by the worship that they are giving me. Hold on to that truth, church. You don't believe the lie of the enemy. You don't hold on to that lie. Your worship is always acceptable to our God when you come before him with purity because of who he is. So if you have hurts this morning because you've been told that you're not good enough, our God is gonna take that from you this morning. Come lay that down at the altar and let him do what only he can do. Friends, I also want to repent this morning of prioritizing idols. Sundays, it's easy to pick on football, but it's the truth. Church, if your team has that European game and so you stay home on a Sunday morning so you can watch kickoff at 5 a.m. or whatever that it is, and then you skip church because you go back to bed, church, that's an idol that you've erected in your life. But it's not just football. Church, if you own a cabin and you've decided if I'm not spending 25 weeks a year at the cabin, then why do I even own the cabin? So my cabin's gonna be a priority and I'm gonna be up there every other weekend when I'm not working so that I can enjoy the cabin that the Lord has blessed me with or however you wanna justify it. Church, maybe it's waking up on a Sunday morning and saying, hey, the weather looks phenomenal. There's beautiful colors up north. I'm hopping on the Harley and we're riding up. We're just gonna enjoy the day. Church, I'm going to tell you this. The road is going to look the exact same at 10.15 or, I'm sorry, at 12.15. This is second service. The, the road is going to look the exact same at 12.15 as it would have this morning, okay? So I say that to say this. If you've put idols in your life, if you've erected things that you have placed before God, your priorities need to shift this morning, okay? Again, I'm going to throw this on you. You have a choice whether or not to accept that word or to reject that word. But I tell you, I'm going to repent. 
when I have chosen things above our God. Now, this is interesting. I can tell you this from personal experience, and my daughter can attest to it. We have spent our life, I've been in worship ministry for over 20 years now. I have spent my life taking Thursday night through Saturday as my weekend. We would leave Thursday night and we would come back on Saturday night because I was going to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning. That was something that I modeled for my kids and that is something that we've lived by. It's pretty rare that I've missed services, to be honest with you. Now, I'm not saying that you can't take vacations. I'm not saying that at all. We've even talked about how many services that we should be able to miss in a year so that we don't burn out. I completely understand that. I absolutely do. But church, I think that you know. And if the Holy Spirit's working on you right now and he's identified priorities in your life that you have put in front of our God, he's working on those. Church, I'm gonna close with this. When you're not in the house of the Lord, you're not in his house. The worship is gonna be happening whether you're here or not. But knowing all of this about our God now, why would you not wanna enter into that worship? Let's pray. God, Lord, we do. God, we repent this morning, Father, of the idols that we have put in place of you. Father, for the decisions that we've made consciously, Lord, to put you on a back burner. For the excuses that we've made and the justifications that we've created, God. Lord, we set those aside today. Father, we put our eyes and our focus on you. And God, I'm asking, Lord, that you would begin working on our hearts, God, that you would begin shifting our priorities, God, our mindset, Lord, to be more like Christ, to want to be in your presence, to grow with you, God. Lord, to worship you, Father, to join with creation and the saints and everything else, Father God. Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, for those like myself, Lord, who have truly been, God, just caught in a moment of pride, Lord, where we couldn't enter into worship, God, I throw that at your feet this morning. God, I'm asking you. Lord, I'm I'm putting it down. God, I am not going to pick it up. And Father, I'm going to ask that you help me do that. Lord, that you keep my mind clear. God, for distractions. Lord, even when we want to enter into worship, Father. Lord, but our feet feel like that they're stuck in muck. God, we can't move forward, God. We can't worship you for whatever reason, whatever that the distractions are, God, whatever the weightiness of this world or anything else, God, Lord, that's holding us back. Father, we repent of that this morning. God, asking that you take the distractions away. Hallelujah. And God, for hurts. Lord, for those in this place, Lord, who have at any point in time, God, been told that their worship just isn't good enough. God, we ask you to take that this morning. God, that is a hurt that we don't need to carry. Father, it is a lie. Lord, you have loved us, God. Lord, in our worship, Father, even when those words were being spoken, you are God. We're wrapping your arms around your sons and daughters, loving us and holding us close and showering us with affection because we were worshiping you despite the lie that was being spoken. God, break that lie once and for all today. Lord, giving you our all. Father, the very last of what we have because you deserve it. You deserve it all. Lord, thank you. God, we love you in Jesus' name.